Welcome to 7-Minute Opinions and part two of our two-part series, The Healthcare Maze, coming from the week's national correspondent, Ryan Cooper. Last week, Ryan told you the story of Matthew Stewart, a young man with liver disease who is facing bankruptcy due to his astronomical medical bills, despite having insurance. Matthew owes a staggering $63,000. It's like somebody hits you with a bat when you're not looking. This week, Ryan looks at the flip side of what can happen when healthcare works. Despite the Byzantine complexity of the American healthcare system, its most critical problems are not remotely difficult to solve. To explain this, let me tell you about a woman named Caitlin Hood. Like Matthew, Caitlin fell ill with an autoimmune disease that required serious and expensive surgery. Unlike Matthew, Caitlin's insurance actually worked. Her condition was fixed without undue expense, and she is continuing to live a productive life. That's the short version. Caitlin's story begins in 2012, during her second year of grad school at UCLA. She starts having serious pains in her abdomen, and she's losing a lot of weight. Eventually, she's diagnosed with colitis, an inflammation of the bowel caused by Crohn's disease. She was prescribed steroids and Humira, a drug for Crohn's, which helped a lot. But she continued having pain, and it got dramatically worse during a trip to Tennessee. She went to the ER, where they diagnosed appendicitis. And she had emergency surgery to remove not just her appendix, but also six inches of necrotic intestine. She eventually recovered, but the immune problem later cropped up in the form of arthritis, requiring more expensive drugs, plus yet more drugs to treat the side effects from those medications. While Caitlin's condition is probably not quite as severe as Matthew's, the broad strokes are very similar. She has a complicated, life-threatening illness requiring expensive treatment, including an invasive surgery that costs more than $50,000. If Caitlin were on the hook for her surgery and her expensive drugs, Umira alone costs five grand a month, she might also owe tens of thousands of dollars. But that's not what happened. Caitlin's insurance had her back. Once she hit a $200 deductible, she wasn't charged one cent to fix her intestine. And because she was young enough at the time to qualify for the Obamacare rule about children under 26, Caitlin was doubly insured. She was enrolled both on the school's plan and her parents' plan. Her healthcare expenses were manageable. She paid $300 a month for the coverage, which was partially subsidized by her school. Her drug co-pays were about 100 bucks a month, and her out-of-pocket maximum was expensive at $2,000 but within reach. All this allowed her to live a normal life again. And without this medical treatment, which was provided to her essentially for free, Caitlin would have been forced to drop out and might easily have died. Instead, she recovered, stayed in school, and eventually graduated with a PhD in applied mathematics in 2016. Today, Caitlin is a postdoc at MIT, where she's working on cancer screening research, angling for a professorship, and mentoring young girls in math and science. The differences between Matthew and Caitlin's cases are a great listen in designing the basic architecture of a healthcare system. First, Basically, everyone needs to have access to some sort of comprehensive insurance scheme if they are to avoid being bankrupted by serious illness. The only exception, really, is the very rich who may be able to afford our extremely expensive modern medical treatment without help. Second, as a necessary corollary, insurance pools should be made as large as possible so as to spread the cost of treatment as widely as possible. Luckily, for every Caitlin out there, there are dozens of people like me who virtually never go to the doctor, and so they must be brought into the risk pool. 
Third, regulation should bring down the price of care as much as feasible to prevent the total cost of treatment outstripping the general economy's ability to pay. The most simple method of attacking this problem is single-payer public insurance with price controls. A single, government-operated risk pool for everyone, which all providers must accept. One and done. That's the approach in Canada, Australia, and Taiwan, which incidentally all call their systems Medicare. Some countries also have single-payer and single-provider, where the government also owns and operates the hospitals, like in the UK. While other countries, like Switzerland, have an Obamacare-style approach, but are far more aggressive both with the penalties for uninsurance and with subsidies, so no one is left out or left unable to pay. There are many complicated problems in the American healthcare system that will take more careful thought and regulation to fix. There are not enough doctors, the salary structure across medical sub-professions is completely bananas, providers routinely kill people with inept care, many providers have become monopolies, and on and on. Many countries have problems like this and are constantly tinkering with their policies to patch things up here and there. But none of those are the really big problems with American healthcare. We have problems of access and payment, the basic solutions for which were obvious in the early 20th century. There is a huge policy buffet we could choose from, developed by dozens of other countries that nailed this problem decades ago. The political obstacles are considerable, of course. Politics is why Obamacare became a janky mess. It is so shot through with giveaways to nearly every concerned interest group, not to mention attacks from the Supreme Court, that it didn't even get up to the standard of Europe in the 1940s. But Caitlin's story shows that if we could get the politics sorted, universal and affordable health care could be easily made to work. The fact is, people who are well insured get decent treatment. All that is needed is a political strength necessary to ram obviously good policy through our antiquated constitutional government. And that does it for our two-part series on the healthcare maze, brought to you by The Week and 7-Minute Opinions. You can find both of those episodes and more at theweek.com slash podcast or by searching for us on iTunes. And as a thank you for listening to this podcast, we at The Week would like to offer you four totally free, non-commitment issues of The Week magazine. To get those, visit theweek.com slash four free. Happy listening! Happy listening!